Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right. Are you all ready for the Bible today? I am really excited to start a series uh, this week about Father Abraham. Father Abraham, who is our Old Testament uh, father in the faith. I want to open up by reading to you Hebrews 11, verse 1, and then we're going to pray and just jump into the Word with both feet. Amen? Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Would you say do not see? I can hear you at home. Do not see. Thank you. Verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. And that's who we're going to look at today, one of the ancients, Father Abraham. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and the opportunity, God, that you have given us, Lord Jesus, to come and to worship you. You are worthy to be worshipped and glorified and honored. And we just pray, Father, that you would be, your heart would be full as we come together today as a, as a family today. Lord, we pray. God, let us all hear from you, a word from you. We just believe your ability to speak to us. You're so good at it. So, Lord, we give you permission. Write on our hearts. Speak to us today through your word, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit to be impartation of your word today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, I'm going to teach at you a little bit more than preach at you today as we're setting the foundation of this new series about Father Abraham. And to do that, I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1, and we are going to read verses 1 through 10. Let me give you a little bit of a run-up because Genesis 12, that's pretty early in Scripture, right? You've had Adam and Eve, you've had Noah, you've had the Tower of Babel, all of these things have happened, and basically what we've learned is left to ourselves, uh, we make bad choices, (laughs) and we need help. Enter Abraham and the very beginning of the story of salvation. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 10 says this. Uh, by the way, Abraham used to have a short name. You know, some people's names get longer in life, get shorter in life, like Michael becomes Mike. Abram becomes Abraham. So when it talks about Abram, we're talking about Abraham in verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those Who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all his possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. They sent out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the, as the site of the great tree of Morah in Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there for the Lord who had appeared to him. 
From there he went on toward the hills of east of Bethel and pitched a tent with Bethel on his west and Ai on his east. There he built an altar for the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And I got to tell you, in Scripture, when we get to Genesis chapter 12, it's hard to overstate like how much of an epic historical moment this is. Because Abraham begins his journey that's going to change history forever. Because it's the story that's going to lead to the story of Jesus. And it's the story that's going to lead to your story in Jesus. Abraham is, is the father of our faith, as it says in Romans 4, 16, right? And when you grow up in, in kids' church and things like that, we had a song. This is the year of Pastor Mike punishing you with singing. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Do you all remember that? I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. If you need 20 minutes to kill in kids' ministry, and you just need them all like lemmings doing what you have asked them to do, Father Abraham is an ace in the hole. I mean, you have got it every single time. And they just love it. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Turn around. You know where it ends? It ends sit down. You know a kids' ministry person thought about that. Right? Get a move and get a move. Sit down. But you're supposed to say it nice. But you know what they're thinking. Sit down. Father Abraham. He is, it is the very beginning of God's plan of salvation for us. Because what he's going to do is Father Abraham is going to become the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is going to be the incubation place for the, our King Jesus to be born. And our King Jesus is going to be the one who goes to rescue all that who would, who would receive him. God's rescue plan for all of mankind. I mean, like this is like an epic moment in Scripture because it's the very beginning. What I love is it's like Genesis 1 through 12. Like you just read it and you're like, oh, we are in trouble. There's a, there's a part in Scripture where it says, all a man's thoughts were evil all the time. That's bad. That's, that's not good. And, and basically, you, you, you see in Scripture, you need a Savior. You need help. So enter the Lord's plan for salvation. He says to Abraham in, in verse 1, Go from your country and your, uh, your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. I don't know about you, but that's not a lot of information. That's a lot of leaving and going, and not a lot of information about what's going to happen. But Abraham, he, he trusts the Lord, and he believes the Lord in this moment. And he gets this promise in verse 2. It says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And y'all, Abraham is 75 years old. How many of y'all want to begin your journey of faith at 75? He comes to you, Linda, and just says, leave it all. Sell it all. Leave, just go to the place. I like. We're, we're, I mean, that's intense, ain't it? Seventy. I mean, that's. He has to wait twenty-five years for 
Isaac to be born, the first, like, the, the one who's going to be the heir to the promise, like this whole, you're going to be a great nation, 25 years. Now, y'all do the math. That's right, triple digits. And Abraham's having a baby. Let's talk about Sarah. Sarah's having a baby. That's a whole nother, like, I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? Y'all are getting scared up in here, especially for y'all are like, I don't like where this is headed. Do not like where this is headed. You're safe, maybe. Um, he says, you're going to be a blessing, and all people on earth will be blessed by you. And what we learn in Scripture, we're just going to kind of like skip ahead a little bit, is that Jesus is the very fulfillment of that promise, that he is going to be the blessing that blesses everyone. Now, now Isaac, it takes 25 years to have the son of the promise, right? Be a great nation. Because, you know, to be a great nation, you've got to have some children, they've got to have some children, they've got to have some children, right? It takes a lot of children to be a nation, a lot. And then, and then, it, when it comes to, and you'll be a blessing, it takes 2,000 years-ish for Jesus to come. I don't know about y'all, but I like promises that are faster. Do y'all like promises that are faster? This is something that we got to pay attention to. These promises come, and sometimes, you know, we're in the presence of the Lord, and we hear the promise of the Lord, and we hear things for our lives and for the people around us. And I don't know about you, but when God speaks to me about those kind of things, I get really, really excited. And yet, there's this time element. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. In verse 4, it says he takes all of his possessions and heads to Canaan, which is, when you see Canaan in Scripture, that is modern-day Israel, right? That, the place of Israel. And he builds an altar there. And every time you see in Scripture that it says they build an altar, that means he built a place to worship God, made a sacrifice to the Lord. And they would do that to mark a significant place or a significant moment. It was a place of worship, and it was a place to like remember and to, to think about the things that God is doing in our lives and stuff like that. And so um, the Lord says, I will give you this, the, give this land to your offspring. He's in the land, right? And then in verse 8, he goes in between Bethel and Ai, and he does it again. He builds another altar, so he's still in the land of Canaan. And we're going to come back to this, this altar in a little while. By verse 10, now, we're in Genesis 12, verse 1, right? He gets the promise. He, he takes everything he's got, and he goes to the land, right? And he gets to verse 10, and it's U-turn time. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm Abraham, like, I want more than 10 verses before I'm headed back to Egypt. What happens is a famine comes in the land. He gets, so you see, he gets to Canaan, and shortly thereafter-ish, there is this famine, and he's got to turn around and go to Egypt, at least by verse 10. So Abraham, he gets, if you will, a glimpse of the promise. And then the journey gets long. Anybody been there? You get a glimpse. You see what it can look like. You see the potential, and then the journey gets long. And then the story within the story begins. You know, if you've ever met anyone who's walked with God for a long time that you really respect, that you look at their life and you go, you know what, 
Jesus, when I grow up, I want to be like so-and-so, you know, and I want to be like, I want to be like Brenda, and I want to be like Linda, and I want to be like Ann and Earl. I want to be, you know, when I grow up someday, I want to be, you know, and we have some fill-in-the-blanks people, some people in, in Scripture. But you know what's always true? There's always a story within the story. And when you, when you get to know people, what you find is you find that there's stories within the story. There's journeys within the journey. There's hills and valleys in the midst of the story. I want to go to Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the, the stories within the story with Abraham. But today what I want to do is I'm going to start in the beginning, and then I'm going to jump to the end. And over the other weeks, we're going to do some of the work, some of the stories within the story. Here's what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Which I, Before we read it, what's going to happen is this is, the, this is the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. It's going to talk about faith, and it's going to start referring to the heroes in the faith. So you know who's going to make the list is Abraham's going to make the list, right? But it starts off with this statement in Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is confidence. Would you say the word confidence? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because... Like, there are days when your faith has confidence, and there are days where you don't feel like your faith has a lot of confidence. That just makes you normal. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. By the way, when you see the word hope in Scripture, it doesn't mean hope like, oh, I wish it happens. It means hope like expect. So faith is, faith is confidence in what we expect, hopefully, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was, was not made out of what was visible. Sorry, I missed the not. I was like, that can't be right. Okay. <laughs> I have to go back and study the Bible. What was seen was made out of what was not seen, which is really interesting because with all the theories of, th of how, how things came to be, where did the stuff come from, right? What is seen was made out of what was not seen. That's God-level work right there. Only God can create out of nothing. And there's this concept of like the visible and the invisible, so faith, it, you know, the Greek is this word pisteo. I don't like to throw, away, or throw around a whole lot of Greek words, but there's a few ones that are kind of key, and faith is, a, is, a, is one. When you look at that word um, and the richness of it, it's like these three synonyms together. Faith, trust, belief. You kind of wrap those together, and that's what faith is. It's faith. Trust, belief. And the reason I like that is because when I think of just faith, faith to me is not a very warm word. To me, it's a very strong word. And you know what? Faith is strong. Belief starts to get a little bit more like, you know, you, you kind of like there's a feel to belief. But when you say trust, now you're getting really relational. And when you put all that together, that's what faith is. It's this strength that's got some feel to it but there's a heart to it in that there's a trust involved. It's, there's relational, right? Believing, having faith, it's 
trusting without seeing. If you can see it, it ain't faith. If I tell Jesse today, Jesse, I'm going to make you a hamburger today. Jesse just has to believe in faith that I'm going to make him a hamburger until I make the hamburger. Y'all are like, why is he talking about hamburgers? I grilled last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, that's out of left field. No, not in my brain, not in my last 24 hours. But see, if you see it, it's not faith. See, it's, it's a confidence without having to see it. It's an assurance without having to see it. And in verse 6, it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Has anybody ever found that verse to be intimidating? You're like, oh, I want to be able to please God. I don't want to disappoint God. I want to be able to have faith in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe, which by the way, that word believe there is that same root word, pisteo, right? Must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. But you know, even if you're intimidated by that concept of it's impossible to please God without faith, just for a moment to kind of turn the tables, not for long, because you, you can't take the heat, right? And think about it from God's perspective, right? You want your people to trust you. It's really not a lot to ask when he's the creator of the universe, right? And he loves you. He has shown you that he loves you, right? He is power and he is authority. And yet you can't see him and he wants you to trust him. Isn't that the ultimate? Like you can't see him, but you believe him. But see, when you have that, that place of faith where you can know that he's always with you, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, even though you can't see him, it moves your faith to this place where now whatever he says you can believe because you trust in him. And if you, if you struggle in that area and you go like, I don't feel like my faith is strong enough, it's okay, you're in the right room. Because there's, this, there's a place in Scripture where Jesus says, you know, do you believe? And he goes, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Like, he's just so honest with God, right? And I think you can do that even in your prayers. You can pray with faith and go, and Lord, help me with my unbelief. Like, God is not intimidated by any kind of level of honesty and things like that. But this, this thing that he's drawing you to, this, this tractor beam, and I told you I was only going to teach, this tractor beam, right, is that he wants to draw you to this trusting, believing place of faith where you can just trust him at his word and trust him with what he says. We trust who we can't see with our own eyes. And it's that trust, it's that belief, it's that faith that pleases him. He wants to be trusted. The reason Abraham is our father of faith is because when Jesus, or excuse me, when the, when the father said, go, he did it. Without, can you imagine Sarah on that trip? I don't know. Maybe Sarah was like crazy, just full of faith herself. But I'd be like, where are we going? Well, he's going to tell me when we get there. How long are we going to be gone? Pack your things, all of your things. Like, I mean, there's just not a lot of information. But to have that kind of trust in the Lord 
and to go to that place. So let's go back to Hebrews 11, verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Do you catch that? That's what we read. He went to the place that would later be his inheritance. He obeyed and he went. Even though he didn't know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of him of the same promise. For he was looking for a city and with foundation whose architect and builder is God. And we're going to come back to that. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past child age, was able to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. There's, there's Sarah's faith. And so from this one man, and he was good as dead, which I think is just a funny thing to say, um, <laughs> came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands of the seashore. All these people, it's not just talking about Abraham, it's just talking about like this whole collection of people in the context of Hebrews 11. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Now y'all are not going to like what I'm about to read. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. It's not that the promises weren't fulfilled, it's that they didn't see it in their own lifetime. That's pretty powerful. Abraham's faith was followed by obedience. His obedience was leaving. His obedience was going. And y'all, when we talk about some of the stories within the stories, Abraham is not perfect. I mean, he goes into Egypt like we talked about, and he's like, that's my sister. Like, like he was afraid they were going to kill him for his wife. And, and I mean, it's just crazy some of the stuff that happens um, that are recorded in scriptures. But he followed God by in obedience, and he, and he trusted God. He made sacrifices. He's living in tents. He's moving around like a stranger in a foreign land. Um, and he had to live in the tension of being in between. Y'all got to catch this. Because I'm telling you, this principle will change your life. Abraham lived in the tension of being in between. In between promises given and promises received. In fact it would be his descendants who would actually receive the promise, who would see the promise. Jesus, that you'll be a blessing to all nations. It was a couple thousand years, and Jesus comes on the scene. And remember, in, in Genesis 12, 8, where he pitched the tent, right? He goes and he pitches the tent, and it, he's in between the towns of Bethel and Ai, and he built an altar. This is really cool. It is the picture of in-between. He's living in a tent, which is not per permanent, right? He's in between these two towns, Bethel and, and Ai. He's not in one or the other. And he's building an altar there to worship God. But here's what's really cool. The word Bethel means house of God. And the word Ai means heap of ruins. And Abraham is in the tension. He's in between the two, living in a tent, worshiping God. That's a picture of what a faith person looks like. Willing to live in the temporary 
in between the, the destiny of the house of the Lord and the past of the house or the, or the place of ruin. And there he is, worshiping God in the midst of the tension. That I find so inspiring in Scripture. But, and here's one of the things that it's, that it's supposed to do. It's supposed to unlock something in you, which is this. If you feel like you're living in the tension, that's exactly right. Sometimes we are in the tension and we go, what is wrong? What have I done wrong? What is actually, maybe that's exactly where we're supposed to be, is in the tension of promises coming and prom- promises giving and promises receiving. And I'm not saying that you, you, we never receive any promises or anything like that. God's all about fulfilling his promises. He's, he fulfills his word and all that kind of stuff. But we've all been in that place where you feel like you're in the tension. And a lot of times we think, I must be doing something wrong. What if you were doing something just right in being in the place of tension? Do you find yourself in life in that place of tension. The tension between what you're believing for, that tension of what you're waiting for, that tension of, I haven't seen it, but I believe I will see it. That, my friends, is normal operating procedure for the people of faith. Normal operating procedure for the people of faith who are believing what they haven't seen yet, have confidence in what they haven't seen yet, assurance of what they haven't seen yet. That's where we live. And actually, I think Abraham is supposed to give you and I a whole lot of peace about the journey. Then there's this wait what moment in Scripture in verse 10. After all of this and the tension and all that kind of stuff, in verse 10, it says that he was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. Wait, what? Wait, what? Like, he was waiting for heaven? You see, when you, when you look closely at the Scripture, one of the things it says when he gets into Canaan is, listen, he says, you're in Canaan, and he says, I'm going to give this to your descendants. If Abraham was paying attention early, he knew he wasn't getting Canaan. He was promised Canaan, but he wasn't getting Canaan. You follow that? What if some of the promises over your life, would you be okay if your kids got them or their kids got them? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? But somewhere along the way of this journey, go to a land I will show you. And all of this promise of a nation and of a a place given to him and all of these promises, I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty focused on the promise, right? Where along the way did did his heart say, I'm looking for a city whose foundations, whose builder, whose architect, whose maker is God. Where did that happen along the way? And I think it happens on the journey. I think it happens on the journey of faith where we begin to realize that even though God is playing this 
long game with humanity and in providing for salvation through Jesus Christ. He's playing, it feels like a long game to us. This is actually the short game in light of eternity. Somewhere along the way, Abraham clued into the fact that there's an eternity in front of me. And I don't actually, like, what I'm really looking forward to isn't actually seeing all this, but it's seeing that. I shouldn't say or. It's really a both and. I'm not trying to say that anything to diminish the promises that we have here on earth. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to point to the fact that there's a maturity that happens to where we begin to lock into something that's even longer and greater and more significant than what's going on here on earth. I don't think that's supposed to take our attention away from the things here on earth and receiving the promises and all the things that are, that are going on here on earth. I think the story within the story really matters, really matters to God. We need to be engaged and things like that. But there's something that happens along the way in our maturity where we begin to go, by golly, we got heaven in front of us. And that will give you some boldness and some settledness here on earth. I wonder if that sustained him in the tent living. I wonder if it sustained him in the nomadic places in life where it felt like he just kept moving and moving and moving. He was just trying to find, just have that one son for the promise so that he could just continue to see it. He had to wait 25 years for one son. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm 75, like, I'd be like, we need to get on with this. Right? I mean, we need to get on with this. I mean, the, I mean Scripture is so elegant. He was good as dead. Like, it's like, anyhow, um, I want to ask you today, as we're, as we're starting this father, this father of our Faith series, Father Abraham, where is your tension today? And what is it that you're believing for? What is it that you're waiting for? What is it that you haven't seen, but you believe you will see? And I want to give you two encouragements. One, don't give up. Do you hear that today? Don't give up. Don't give up. And two, if you're in a place of tension, it's actually where we're supposed to live. I know that you probably didn't want to hear that. But like that, it helps me to know that the tension is the right place. I find that comforting in a really weird way. You know what that tension will do? It'll lead you to have conversations with the Father. God, how are you going to do this? God, what's going to happen? Abraham had one of those conversations one night. He's like, God, I, I don't even have one heir. You know, he's like talking to the Lord. Like, what, what is going on? Like, I, I, you know, how is this going to happen? You know, Sarah's not giving me children. I'm not, we're, what are we going to do? Like, how is this going to happen? And it says that God takes him out of the tent and has him look up at the stars. He says, count them if you can. He says, your, your descendants are going to be like, like those stars in the sky and the, like the dust of the earth. Like, if you could count them, that's how, men, how many they would be. It's like this reaffirming and this revelation this, uh, from the Lord of what I've said to you is true. That's a really cool thing. And what's beautiful about the tension 
is if we operate in it right, we'll just draw closer and closer to Him. Isn't He so smart? You know, when Jesus said to the disciples, come and follow me, I really feel like for their lives, it's so similar to Abraham in the beginning of his life. And I think that your journey to follow Jesus is the same way. That moment in your life where you just said, Jesus, I'm going to lay my life down and I want to follow you, whatever that mean, means, I think that's your Abraham moment. That's your, that's your leave it all and follow me. That's the, there's a lot of unknowns, but I've got some good things in front of you. Like That's your moment. And for a lot of you in the room and online, like you are in that journey. And it's a wonderful journey to be on. We should be thankful that we're on that journey. But I want to tell you today, if you've never taken that step to start that journey, I just want to encourage you not to like subtly or put your toe in the water, but like jump in with both feet. Because Jesus has a new life for you. A completely new life that he wants to start for you. And it starts when you receive him into your life. When you say, I believe I trust, I have faith in you. I receive what you've done for me on the cross by paying for my sins. And I just want to know what it is to follow you every day of my life and this journey that you have for me. And I got to tell you, if you haven't done it, do it today. Give him your life today. It's such a privilege to follow after him. And you, you'll, you'll, you'll feel like this thing in your heart, like this compulsion, like I need to do this thing. And if you need to do it today, I just want to encourage you, cry out to him and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn my life over to you. Help me to follow after you. Forgive me of all of my sins. I want to know and follow you. And if you're making that decision today, if you're online, would you go to victorychristian.church and click on Next Steps because I want to know about it so that I can reach out to you and rejoice with you because like, it's a journey that we take together, not alone. If you're in the in-person service, you can do the same thing or you can just come and talk to me. But if you've never had that moment in your life, you can be 10 years old, 12 years old, 200 years old. There should be a moment in your life where I say today is the day that I make my declaration, I'm going to follow Jesus. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. And I want to pray today for your place of tension. What's wonderful about Scripture is if you've got a place of tension, you've got a place where you are, you are fighting the good fight and you're trusting the Lord and you're following after the Lord, there's someone in Scripture who's had to believe as well. There's a story in Scripture that will inspire you. People who have had to trust more, uh, go to the Lord more, and that's there to inspire you and I that God can take good care of you. But I want to pray for us for two things. One is you won't give up on the things that God has put in you. That you won't give up. Sometimes we get discouraged and we find it easier to lay it down. There might be somebody in your life you're praying for and you're just kind of like, I'm kind of over it. It just it hurts me so much to just have that conversation. And God wants you to pick that up and trust Him and let Him lead you into belief and trusting Him. Or if you're in that place of tension today, I want to pray that God will help you oddly to be comfortable in the tension. To know that the tension is okay. 
Detention doesn't mean you're broken. Detention means that you're human and living in a broken world. And that's all of us here. Detention is okay. It's normal operating procedure. Father, we love you today. And God, this morning, we thank you for the father of faith. We honor what Abraham did. It's a real, he's like the real father of faith. Like he's not a character in a story. He's a person who lived on the planet. And God, that same spirit and attitude of faith is the thing that operates in us. Your word says that when we come to faith, we are all Abraham's seed. We are all his children. And so, Lord, today, would you grant us the kind of faith that our father Abraham had that can stay in the place of tension, that can cry out to you when we don't understand, but God, that can hold on to what you've put in us and what you've spoken in our hearts. And I pray, God, that in this journey, that as we grow up in you, as we mature in you, that you put eternity in our hearts. God, that we would long for the city whose builder, whose architect is you. Lord, I pray for those who uh, faith has been a struggle, believing has been a struggle, that it's actually kind of beat up their hearts. Would you rush in today? God, promises are never meant to demoralize us. They're never meant to discourage us. But God, they're there for us to hold on to your words. And God, let what every, every promise that's from you, let it stand the test of time. Let everything else fall away. We trust you today. We trust your word. We trust your words. We trust you. We love you today. God, let faith, real faith, swell in our hearts and minds. Let there be a trust that goes deep and wide. And God stands the test of the journey well. We thank you, God, for all of the promises that we are going to receive here on earth. So many promises. And we thank you for the promises our children will receive, our grandchildren will receive. And we thank you, God, for the ultimate promise, the completion of our salvation, a heavenly home, eternity with you. And God, we do not want to keep these promises in this place. Let those promises ripple out into the community and the world around us. And many, 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 many people, God, come into this family of faith that trusts and knows you, Jesus. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Thanks again.
again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.